You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, episode 83. The real reason I want them to have that support is for honest, constructive feedback. Because like I said, I'm spending one hour a week with my client. And even though that's a meaningful, impactful hour, I'm not sitting with them in the meetings. I'm not monitoring their you know, day-to-day activities. So they're going to need that feedback from somebody. And it comes ideally from someone who they have a good relationship with. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hi there. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Meg Rinchler. It is always absolutely delightful to have you join us, and I hope that you have had a fabulous week where you are touching lives and bringing your coaching into the world and interacting with your family and friends and and just really enjoying your spring. I do want to take just a moment For those of you that this might be helpful for, we're going to spend just a minute letting you know that this is the time of the year where I open some mentor coaching programs. And this is the time of the year that I do it for a couple reasons. Primarily because if you're an ICF certified coach, your credential comes up for renewal in December. And we're on a three-year cycle. So it's either this December, next December, or the December after that. And for those of you who are actually coming up for renewal this December, or even December of 2019, and you're at the ACC level in your credential, you're going to need to have 10 hours of mentor coaching that applies towards your Recredential. As an ACC coach, that is part of the requirement. And for those of you who are not ACC coaches, but do have a credential coming up for renewal this next, this December or the following December, also be aware that all of us, as we recredential, need to have 40 hours. That's four zero hours of continuing education and 24 of those must be focused around the core competencies. Now, for those of you who are ACC coaches, your 10 hours of mentor coaching, because it's based upon skill development, meets your meets 10 of those requirements towards core competencies. And for those of you who are not ACC level, but do have a credential coming up, you can actually do mentor coaching for up to 10 hours of your core competency continuing education credits. So if you are feeling isolated or would like to work with some other coaches and do some coaching within group, do a deep dive into the competencies, have a robust conversation around challenges and successes in your coaching, and complement that group coaching with some individual coaching, which is all part of the program, 
then check out the show notes and there will be a link in our show notes for more information around this mentor coaching program, which will be starting in the next couple weeks. And the space is very limited. The ICF is very specific about how many people can be within the group. So they're small groups and they're starting soon. If you're interested, check out the link and let me know. Okay, let's dive into today's topic. Many times when we are working within an organization as an executive coach, we can have some issues around how the organization is viewing their coaching, how we want to align the expectations and the needs of the sponsor organization along with our client. And that is exactly what we're going to be talking about today with our guest, Lisa Sampson. Lisa is the owner of LVS Consulting, which is a boutique consulting firm helping build positive organizations. Lisa has a strong positive psychology background. She has her Master of Applied Positive Psychology from the University of Pennsylvania. She's also, she has several different degrees, including her MBA and several different undergraduate degrees. So Lisa comes from a really strong education background with this positive psychology background, along with organizational development. And we do a deep dive into how we as coaches can create that organizational alignment for our clients and the sponsor organizations so that needs are being met. We're bringing the value that we need to bring as coaches and helping our clients get to where they need to be for their success. I think you're going to really enjoy Lisa's energy and her willingness to bring forth so much information. So let's go to our interview with Lisa Sampson. Lisa, welcome to the Star Coach Show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it is going to be so much fun to talk about the very thing that we have identified to share with the audience because I know that it's one of those issues that comes up repeatedly. I'd say definitely for new coaches, we kind of, you know, as a, as a new coach, maybe we're trying to struggle with how does this work, but I think it's a, it's a challenge that comes up in different pieces of our coaching business throughout our careers as coaches. So I'm really pleased that we're going to be able to talk about some alignment. But before we get into alignment, let's let's just talk a little bit about you and what's brought you into the field of coaching. Yeah, I'll, I'll get into that in a nutshell because I know our time is short and I'm very happy to connect with anybody who's interested in following up with me to learn more about this. But my first career was actually a high school teacher. And um, long story short, I ended up going back to school to get my MBA and moving into the field of organizational development. And that's where I met my first coach. 
And he had a very full roster of internal clients. And I thought, huh, he's doing some neat stuff. And he's working individually with these really interesting people, helping the leaders of this organization spread positive ripples within the organization. I think I'd like to do that too. So I petitioned my employer at the time to send me to coach training, but then life, and we ended up moving. And so I left my employer and thought, well, if I can't get them to send me to coaching school, I'm going to send me to coaching school. That's the way to take the bull by the horns. (laughs) So I went and got my coaching certification, coached back for some of my former employer, some of the people in that organization started my own coaching business, which I know you and a lot of your listeners are familiar with, and have found a few clients along the way through organizations, through private clients. And I also do some speaking and training and consulting as well on a whole bunch of things. But coaching was certainly my my foot in the door to a lot of that. And one of the points that you made there is so key that I want people to hear. We all have our lives before coaching? And how can we leverage that or bring that value back into the environment where people knew us and trust us and we've got those warm relationships to build our muscles, to bring value and and to begin to build that business? You were able to, to offer your new offering to some of the people that you worked with When I tell people I worked in education, you know, the teachers, the education people, their ears kind of perk up. When I say I worked in a financial organization, then other ears are listening. When I say I worked in a government organization, you get the interest of different people. So certainly leveraging that is of huge importance. So once you found your passion and, and, and decided to become a coach, you talked about working in organizations. Mm-hmm. And one of the challenges that we sometimes have when we go into organizations is helping everyone understand the role of the coach and how we navigate all the relationships and the expectations. So if if we're talking about beginning a coaching relationship, you're going into an organization, what are some of the things that you would recommend we think about when we think about aligning organizational expectation, client expectations, and all that goes with it. So I'm just throwing this huge ball in your direction for you to decide which direction to take it. Yeah, those are really, really good questions. And I've come to this through a lot of trial and error. So very happy to share so other people can just get to it quickly. So typically, there are two ways that I get my clients. One is somebody approaches me directly and says, I want coaching for me. That's usually pretty straightforward. Okay, you're my client, you are paying for it, or you're getting your organization to pay for it. It is your initiative. Do I need to talk to anybody else about this? Usually the answer is no, we're all good. So that's a pretty straightforward path. The more complicated path is when I will say the manager calls me up and says, I need coaching for my employee. There is somebody on my team who needs coaching. And quite often there's a performance issue. And so this could be one of the final things that they're willing to do for this employee. And they say, here's the situation with the employee. Are you willing to do some coaching? And that's when you have to start asking a whole bunch of questions. So the process that I go through is I will talk with the manager first. And that could be face-to-face or on the phone. But I spend a lot of time with the manager finding out what is the history of their relationship What is the history of this employee in the organization? What have they already tried to do with this employee? 
Why coaching? Why now? What are the consequences for this employee if they don't, quote, succeed at coaching? You know, what's going to happen to them if they decide they don't want to do coaching? I just really want everything on the table. And one question that I love asking managers, although it does kind of startle them a little bit, is I will ask them, how come you haven't already fired this employee? And they usually pause and they say, well, that's a good question because we've certainly talked about this and here's what's going on. And believe me, that question opens up a lot of information. Oh, I bet. Once they get over there, oh, well. Yeah. (laughs) I believe in putting it all on the table. And if we're going to work together, I want to know everything I can about the situation and I want them to know everything that they can about how I work. So in that conversation, I'm also testing their coaching knowledge, as it were. What do they know about working with a coach? Have they ever worked with a coach? Have they engaged a coach for any of their employees before? Do they understand coaching confidentiality and all those things that we know about? The other thing I want to check for in that conversation is, is the manager supportive? What sort of relationship do they have with the employee? Because if the manager is doing this because HR or their director told them they have to, but the manager has already written the employee off, we're going to have a much harder time. And I want to be very open about that at the beginning. Very key. If, very if key. If somebody has already has a mindset to something, reminds me of when couples would come to me for couples therapy back in my former life. <laughs> back and, in the day. <laughs> back in the day. And one of the spouses had already decided that they wanted a divorce. So they were coming into couples therapy just to appease that they could check that off their list. And that's very different than when a couple comes to couple therapy to actually heal their, their relationship. And I can see that it would be a very similar kind of relationship if the manager is only having the person come to coaching to check that off their list and say, I tried everything, but they really have already closed their mind to any development. Exactly. And for that employee to have a chance of succeeding, because ultimately I want my client to have a chance of succeeding, they need to know that they have a supportive manager because I'm going to be spending, what, like one hour a week, one hour every two weeks with my client. They're going to be touching base with their manager on a regular basis. Their manager is going to see them in action, is going to monitor their deadlines, is going to monitor how they perform in meetings. The manager needs to be able to provide real-time, honest feedback in a supportive and constructive way. Otherwise, there's no hope for my client. That manager is their best chance of making positive changes. So if you interview the manager and and you're kind of going through your process and you determine this manager is, has already sort of written this client off. How do you then handle that? Because you said it's absolutely key that they're, that they're on board and going to be supportive of the client. So usually if the manager is the person who's calling me in as a coach, they are supportive. Sometimes I will get called in by HR and that's because the manager is not supportive. So I'm having that conversation with HR about what sort of structures can we put around this client And who are they going to be checking in with to get that support if it's not the manager? Now, the next step is, and I'll come back to your question, the next step is that I say to the manager, have you asked the employee if they want coaching? (laughs) Because we need to know where that conversation has gone. And sometimes the manager says, yes, they're open to it. Sometimes they say, yes, they're hesitant. Sometimes the manager says, no, I wanted to talk with you first. And say, okay, you know, that is going to clear the way going forward. But eventually, 
if we clear all the hurdles to that point, eventually I'm going to sit down and have a one-on-one with the employee. And I'm going to ask the employee how they feel their relationship is with their manager. Because even if the manager has said, this is good, the employee might say, well, there's a lot of stuff I hide from my manager, or I put on a happy face for my manager, or I know what my manager wants to hear. So I also want to make sure with the employee that they have support in the organization. So if that's not the manager for whatever reason, because the manager doesn't want to provide that support or the employee isn't feeling supported, I got to find out where that support is coming from. So it's essential. It's essential that our clients get some level of support that they're not just left adrift. And feedback. The real reason I want them to have that support is for honest, constructive feedback. Because like I said, I'm spending one hour a week with my client. And even though that's a meaningful, impactful hour, I'm not sitting with them in the meetings. I'm not monitoring their, you know, day-to-day activities. So they're going to need that feedback from somebody. And it comes ideally from someone who they have a good relationship with. So if the manager says, you know, no, I I think he's going to fail, then I'll say, well, here's the way that I approach coaching is that employee is going to need someone to check in with on a regular basis to see if they're on track or not. They're going to need some real-time feedback. And I also emphasize with the manager, learning takes time. This employee did not get themselves into whatever this mess is from Friday until Monday, right? This is months or years in the making. It could be months or years to get out of it in a meaningful way. We can have some short-term wins, you know, no question about that, because later I'll get into the behavioral pieces about what they actually need to see change, not just, oh, I want my employee to learn how to read the room better. They need to increase their emotional intelligence and read the room better. And I go, okay, great. How would you know, manager, that your employee was reading the room better? What would they be doing? What would they be saying? What would the results be? What would other people be doing and saying? I need behavioral indicators. So I can coach to the behavioral indicators. We can get some short-term wins out of behavioral indicators. Some other things are going to take longer, and I need managers to understand that change takes time, which is another reason we need that supportive relationship. Because if they're expecting one session with me, and now you got a bright, new, shiny, keen, smiley, eager, beaver employee, it ain't going to happen. Yeah, and I want to be very honest about that, too. Yeah. 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 What have you done if you encounter, the, while the, the employee is the one that has been chosen to receive the coaching, it determ- you determine through your work with that person that it's very likely a systematic issue or a managerial issue. And yet you're trying to help support your client best they can be in a potentially, maybe not no win, but a difficult managerial situation. So I have probably had that inner voice pop up in just about every client I've ever had in the organization. And part of the reason for that is because clients are really good at pointing out all the bad things their managers do. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe your manager needs coaching, but you can only work with the person who's in the room, right? You can only work with your clients. So I tell them, you know, as I'm sure a lot of good coaches do, well, that's very interesting about your manager. However, they are who they are. We're not going to change them in this session. If they do those things, how would you like to respond differently? Or what can you do differently? Or let's remember your goals. What's going to get you closer to your goals? And so I bring the spotlight back onto my client. One of the things that I always set up, you know, because I've met with the manager, 
I've met with the employee. I may also be meeting with HR as part of this. Mm-hmm. HR may have been there in the manager meeting. HR may be a separate meeting. But at some point, I am going to want to bring all the parties together. And this is before I've had a single coaching session, by the okay. way. This is all the preliminary work. So at some point, I have sitting in there my client, the manager, maybe an HR representative, anyone else who's critical to this process. And that's where we're going to talk about exactly those things. We're going to talk about client confidentiality. We're going to talk about all the logistics like my billing process. But we're also going to talk about, you know, what if I hear something that makes me think we need to come together and realign? What if the employee says they're no longer interested in working for the company. You know, where do we want to go with something like that? What if you as the manager hear something or see some behavior that makes you concerned that issues are not being raised in coaching or the coaching is not working? And we just go through a whole bunch of what ifs. So what if I hear something from the employee that is causing me concern? You know, where would you like me to go with that as a coach? And I explain about confidentiality. My preferred way of getting this information is always going to be through the client. I'm going to encourage my client, you know, well, if your manager is sending emails at nine o'clock at night and and insisting that you respond before midnight and you've got policies against that, You know, you are the one who needs to go to HR on that because that's going to be the most powerful. I can coach you on how to do that. I have HR experience and I can coach you on the confidence to be able to do that. No problem. But at some point, and we generally always agree, at some point, any of the parties sitting in that room can call another alignment meeting. And I call it an alignment meeting. If there's anything that's looking like it's going off track and we need to bring all the parties together, the client, the manager, HR, the coach, and anyone else who happened to be there, we can do that. And, you know, I let them know, depending on the structure, if that's billable time or not, Mm -hmm. but that it's important for us to have this alignment. And I certainly have received calls from managers occasionally who will say, you know, the employee has been saying something like this or has been doing something like this. I just want to make sure, I don't want you to tell me what's going on in the coaching sessions, but I want to make sure that this topic is being raised or that this goal is being addressed. The other thing that managers sometimes do, which is very helpful, is they let me know if anything has changed in terms of overall corporate goals or performance goals or, you know, the employee has been pulled off a project or put on a different project or that this might be coming. You know, that sort of context is really helpful. But again, because I've had this alignment meeting, Mm -hmm. everybody knows I'm not breaking coaching confidentiality to share what's going on with the client. My client can share anything that they want. And how do you keep yourself from being that the the manager's calling and alerting you to something because you've had this overall talk to begin with, but that it's not information that you're now suddenly like, you know, I'm concerned about this and I want you to coach around this now too maybe adding a goal or adding a focus that wasn't part of that original meeting with everyone? Yeah. So again, I I take it very noncommittally and I ask the manager, have you talked with the employee about this? Because mm-hmm. I want to make sure that they are talking. You know, eventually I want to coach myself out of a job. Eventually yeah. I want the client to do well, whatever that looks like. And I want them to have a good relationship with their manager. And that means that the two of them need to be able to talk. I'm a big fan of direct communication. I do not want to be the middle person. I've done that enough and it 
is no fun being the middle person. And so the more I can extract myself from that role and encourage direct communication, the more I'm going to do that. Okay. So how often might you meet again during, you talked about before you even start coaching, you're doing this alignment meeting. How often do you typically re-meet with either the manager or the other parties along with your client and realign through a coaching engagement? Yeah, I'm a big customizer and individualizer. So I set that up ahead of time based on what they want. I've had some managers tell me, nope, go to town, don't need to talk to you ever again. I'm like, great, just me and the client, no problem. And then I've had other managers say, actually, I'd like a monthly check-in. Can we do this again? And usually after one or two of those meetings, the managers have developed the confidence in the employee, in me, in the coaching relationship that they don't ask for those anymore. Managers are busy people and they just want the employee to get better, whatever that looks like. They don't want to have to spend a lot of time on this. So most managers, even though they say they want that, they end up not following through because things are going okay. So it doesn't end up being that much of a big deal, even though it's always on the table. What about as a wrap up? How often do you pull together again at the end of an engagement? Usually at the end of an engagement, there's a couple of outcomes. So it's a successful outcome. The employee is happy. They stay within the organization. The manager is happy. You know, the rosy, sunny, everything's good. Usually that wrap up is just with the employee and the manager. And it's about what does this relationship look like going forward, making sure that whatever good habits they have created, they commit to sustaining mm-hmm. and holding each other accountable to that and whatever that looks like. Usually HR is not involved in that conversation because things are going well and HR is on to their next crisis. I have had a couple of clients who have either decided to leave the organization or the organization has decided for them that they should leave the organization. Mm-hmm. And usually then a wrap-up is just with the employee. It is just a, what have you learned? What are you going to take with you into the future? And I will follow up with the manager to see if there's any kind of closing logistics, but that manager is no longer invested in that employee. And so usually those conversations are very short. And sometimes the manager has gotten something out of it as well. They've learned how to deal with this sort of issue, and we might process some of those learnings, but it's not done with the client. And again, usually those processes are very confidential and HR has a lot of, I think rightfully so, secrecy around any sort of packages and arrangements that they make with exiting employees. So I'm not a part of those conversations either. Okay. So let's circle back around. You're starting a coaching engagement. With somebody who has, and, and one of the things we, I sometimes affectionately refer to as sentence to coaching, and you've, you've had this alignment meeting, and but you're still in that place, perhaps with this particular employee, where they're, they're feeling made to coach. It's not, mm-hmm. it wasn't their choice per se. They might be on some thin ice. How do you uh, kind of handle the dynamics of introducing the coaching experience and build that trust and rapport that is absolutely foundational to a coaching relationship. I think I mentioned before, I'm a big fan of transparency. So my very first coaching conversation with that client who really didn't want to be there, you know, we're going to talk about that. Like, what are you hoping to get out of this? I know we talked about a bunch of goals. Has anything changed? Do you have anything new you want to get out of this? And I say, you know, you've got this time. Your organization is paying for you to have this time. 
how do you want to get the most out of this time that you have with me? And some of them, of course, will say, I don't know, what do you think? And I'm like, well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit more, right? Because I don't want to dictate their coaching. But I will say that most of my clients in that situation want to do well. They're not enjoying being underperforming at work. And a lot of them, they were high-performing employees or they were very solidly performing employees. And then something happened. You know, they got assigned to a new project or they got a new manager or, you know, health issues in some cases. You know, like something happened that got them out of that good track. And all of a sudden, instead of getting five out of five on their performance reviews, they're getting one or two out of five and they are devastated. They want the coaching. They want something, anything that is going to help them. And they usually see the organization investing in them by getting them coaching as a vote of support from the organization. So most of the clients I've had are pretty grateful for it. They might be slow to warm up because they don't know what this is. And it's hard to trust when you're feeling vulnerable and, and scared. So the proof is in the pudding. Mm-hmm. And I explain to them, again, complete transparency. I explain to them what coaching is and what coaching isn't. And that's why I want the clients in those meetings. And I remind them, we can get back into a room with their manager at any time. And we can clear mm-hmm. up any questions that they have. I want to do that because I want this to be a success for them. And I want this to be meaningful for them. And we just need to know what that looks like. Okay. So really maybe emphasizing, because companies do have other options. They don't have to get coaching for somebody. They could conceivably show them the door. They could just kind of performance review them out the door. I mean, there's lots of different, so there is something to be said about being invested in that, that they want you to succeed. They're getting you a coach to help you succeed. Keep that communication open. I love the transparency aspect. And when you have somebody who is just really struggling with what the company wants them to do versus what they believe that they're able to deliver, any, any ideas about that, maybe even pulling from, I know you have a positive psychology background. So, you know, when, when it just feels like there's, there's not a lot of hope. Yeah. So I definitely pull on my positive psychology background. There's a couple of things going on. One is, I don't believe I can perform. I don't believe I have those skills. I don't believe I can perform at that level. Well, then we get to draw on a lot of the research about self-efficacy, right? Great. Tell me about your strengths. When have you done well in a situation like this before? What did that take? Who do you know who's done well in a situation like this before? Tell me about other people at work who are good at this and that you admire. You know, can you channel your inner Meg when you're learning about empathetic listening, right? (laughs) You know, those sorts of things. So we'll work through a lot of the self-efficacy pieces. And I emphasize to them, this is skills. You need a growth mindset. When you started riding a bicycle, you were very wobbly and it was very hard. And then it became natural. This is the same sort of thing. So if you are being asked to, you know, quote, read the room. And one of the things that your manager would like you to see, would like to see is that you lean forward, you take notes and you ask questions. That's going to feel really weird when you're used to sitting back and checking your email on your phone. So practice it. I mean, it's all Mm -hmm. an experiment. So let's just try. Mm -hmm. And are you committed to practicing that? And let's process the results of that experiment. And so I actually use the word experiment because I think it's more fun. So it's not only more fun, it sort of allows like wiggle room of learning, right? 
So if this is my action plan and I'm going to do the, it's like, if I fail, I fail versus an experiment. We never know what's going to come from an experiment. We just know we're going to get in there and try and learn from it. And we have a hypothesis, but it might turn out that we're wrong and you want to give it a good try. Like, don't just do it once and say, oh, that failed. I'm screwed forever. Right? Yeah. So that's on the skill side. Where I find it a little more challenging or delicate, perhaps, or more sensitive is when it's a values mismatch, where the employee says something like, well, my boss is asking me to do whatever it is, you know, hopefully nothing unethical, but I just don't feel like that's the right approach, or I don't feel like that's the right thing for me to be doing. So, you know, I'm supposed to be making a whole bunch of cold calls. I don't want to make cold calls. There's some networking events coming up that I think it would be much more effective if I met people face to face. I've proposed this to my manager and my manager doesn't want to fund the bills for that. You know, do I go anyways? If I go and my employer's not funding it, am I really representing them? You know, it kind of gets into these values ethics things. Mm -hmm. And then we have a good talk about that, just like you would with any client who's having a values clash in any other part of their life, right? I want to take a job, but I like being at home near my ailing parents. I've got a values clash. What am I going to do about that? And those are tough. You know, those are certainly very interesting coaching conversations. And sometimes because my employees are coming, my clients are coming to me out of a place of employment, they might decide values-wise, this is not a good manager for me to be working with. I understand why they're asking me these things. I just don't believe it's the right approach. So I'm going to apply for another job. I'm going to work for another organization. But at least they're making those as reasoned, rational decisions that they've thought through rather than I hate everybody in this company and they slam doors. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're, we're at least coming from a place of looking at the belief system and the thoughts and, and are, yeah. are they working for us or against us and, and, and empowering them to make the decisions that are right for them. And there's a lot of mindset conversation, like you just mentioned, you know, well, why might your manager have that rationale? Have you asked your manager about their rationale behind that? Shocking, right? So this is one of the things I love about coaching. We can ask those air quotes, stupid questions. And then the client kind of goes, huh, no, I haven't (laughs) asked them. Okay, yes, I know what you're getting at. And off they go. And so again, that is part of connecting them. It's part of having that supportive relationship. It's part of helping that employee feel like they have a supportive manager and opening up the conversation there. So those those are very fun conversations to have. They really are. And and. It's about developing that trust first and so that there can be that place of, you know, let's look at what the options are. Let's look at how you're looking at this. And if you were to expand just a little bit in another direction, what other options might become available? And we talked about, and I just wanted to reinforce that when you're getting a message from the client that seems to be a disconnect than what you're hearing from the manager, it might be a good idea to do one of those alignment meetings again. So I guess my question to you, Lisa, is do you ever initiate the alignment meeting? Yes, but I will only do it with my client's agreement because I don't want to call a meeting kind of out of the blue. No. And my preferred method is always going to be that the client goes on a fact-finding mission of their own. 
right? If there's something that's not making sense here or something that they don't know, well, who does know? How could you get that information? Mm -hmm. And then send them out into the big world to go and do that homework. Mm -hmm. But if there is really conflicting information or there is confusion, I might get permission from my client to talk to the manager or to call an alignment meeting, but I'm going to proceed very, very carefully on that because I don't want anything to get in the way of the trusted relationship and confidentiality that I've built up with my client. So again, radical transparency around what might happen, what might come of this, what this means, what the implications are. But I will also say that those alignment meetings are very beneficial because it gets all those things out on the table and it allows the manager to say, hey, I was expecting to see more progress by now or, hey, where are you at with these goals or, you know, hey, employee, I haven't heard from you in three weeks and we've committed to meeting weekly. What happened to you? Let's have that conversation in front of your coach so that I get the full picture because, you know, my client may not have chosen to share that with me, for example. (laughs) Exactly. So once again, you know, we operate with the knowledge that we get within our sessions and sometimes getting additional information with the client's understanding and with the client being there, hopefully helps expand that just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Much like doing therapy with an adolescent. It was always helpful (laughs) sometimes to bring the parents in to see just how on target everybody was. Yes. And sometimes in those alignment meetings, you can sneak in a little bit of coaching for the manager as well. <laughs> Which is sometimes, well, everybody can benefit from from, uh, from coaching. Yeah. So, and doing some role modeling in that is, is wonderful as well. And sneaking in a few well-placed, open-ended questions, questions that just give them something to think about. Think about. Yeah. <laughs> really powerful stuff. Anything that I haven't asked you that you think is missing or that would round out what we focused on around alignment? I think I would just encourage your listeners to not be afraid of, you know, having those meetings with the different parties in the room. Because sometimes I can feel like, oh, confidentiality and, oh, is it going to turn nasty? And, oh, am I up for this? If you've done the one-on-ones before that alignment meeting, you know what you're getting into. Managers, in my experience, are very open and honest. They will lay it on the table for you. You know what you're going into. And most employees, even if they're hesitant about the coaching thing, they'll let slip a couple of things. You know what the dynamics are. So not to be afraid of those alignment meetings. You should have a plan for them. People will be looking for you to chair those mm-hmm. meetings. You will definitely uh, be facilitating those. You yes. will definitely be facilitating, but not to be afraid of them. A lot of right. good can come from those. Excellent. And I um, really like the idea of uh, that you emphasized. And so I want to reemphasize that we, the clearer you can have from the get-go and do all the legwork and the foundational work at the beginning, then you're not later saying, oh, oh, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place because I didn't address this with everybody. And now people are looking at me and expecting me to do something that doesn't serve my client or doesn't serve. So the, oh, set the foundation from the get-go. That's what the coach agreement is all about. That's, That's why it's part of our competencies. And all these wonderful meetings that you're going to have, the one-on-ones, the alignment meeting, every take lots of notes because everything that comes from those is going into your coaching agreement. 
Thank you, Lisa. Such valuable information. And and for something that many of us, particularly those of us who work in organizations, are going to deal with. And I will say that even those of you who are relationship coaches or like family relationship or family dynamics, some of these same principles can kind of be applied to that. It's just kind of coming from, from a different angle. So thanks. Thanks so much, Meg. Enjoyed it. I know if you've been a listener for a while, you've heard me say how much I enjoy having different guests come onto the show and share their perspective and their way of doing things so that each of us can glean new information and maybe tweak something or consider some new information as we go forward and bring our value as coaches. And I want to thank Lisa Sampson for bringing her perspective to the show today. If you'd like to know more about Lisa or LBS Consulting, go to starcoachshow.com and on the resource page, you will find information about Lisa. In addition, sign up for the ongoing book giveaway. And if you are interested in the mentor coaching program, don't delay. It's a limited amount of coaches that can be a part of it. And we have an early bird special that will be ending soon. So go to starcoachshow.com. On the homepage, you will see a link for mentoring. If you are enjoying the show, I would so appreciate a review on iTunes. Every positive review we get increases the visibility of the show. So take a minute, give us a review. I would be so grateful. And if you know somebody who would benefit from listening to the show, hey, send them the link. Encourage them to listen. We'd love to have them come on board. So until next week, this is your host, Meg Rentschler, wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have an absolutely wonderful week.